Hello and welcome to Shadow on the Water. This will be our ninth podcast and I'm super excited to be with you today. Um, I want to invite you to shadowonthewater.com. We have um, this thing we call the OMC online mentoring community and we meet every Friday for Holy Spirit uh, prayer. Um, We just really gather around the presence and we just allow God to minister to our hearts and uh, it's a subscription thing. Uh, it's, it costs $20 a month or $19.99, something like that, but it is so worth it. Um, it supports the ministry, but uh, you also have access to like our teaching videos. Like on, uh, We have a, a series on, a, on identity, a series on um, uh, hearing the voice of God, and a series just like a, a self-guided, like you, you, you just watch a 15-minute video and then do your homework for the week. So it's not like, uh, and that, that lasts for about eight weeks. So it's just very simple. It's not like a content heavy. It's more um, you take it and steward it. And it will change the way you hear the voice of God. It'll change um, how you, it'll open you to um, a deeper, deeper understanding of who you are in Christ, who God is, who you are. And when you know who he is and you know who you are, oh my gosh, world, look out. Look out, world, because... Um, unstoppable you know you have all of heaven on your side and you are created by god to be a doorway through the upper waters to the very sacred um, holy of holies the very dwelling place of almighty god he wants to break in through you he wants to live in you and uh you know what that means just changes everything where you go he goes and it's it's when it's through the renewal of your mind that that Happen. So God wants to actively renew your mind. So so sign up for OMC. You can do our our um, just those these simple um, activated like uh, um, uh, series on hearing the voice of God, coming to know who you are, and, you know the identity, coming to know who you are in the Lord, and also um, we're going to post one on just basic prophecy, and then we want to point you towards some uh, you know if you want to go deeper. There's things like Encounter Ministries has a a school of uh, of ministry, encounterministries.us, I think is their website, and there that'll take you even further. Okay, they'll they'll, do, they'll that's like a two year program, and it will take you to uh, beyond. Like I did, I went through their two year school, and it blessed me so much. So they really prepare you for for to really be a fruit bearing disciple. But um, anyway. We can point you towards stuff like that. So today, podcast, yada, yada, yada. Thanks for listening to the blurbs. Check out shadowonthewater.com. And also donate. I need, I need. we need funding. We've been traveling. We went to Wales, uh, and it was on our own dime. We had to do it, uh, uh, you know, like the places we go. We went to Cuba. Places we go cannot afford to uh, sup- to bring us in. Uh, we also went to California. We went to uh, California. They supported us. Uh, because they've got some kind of economy there. Uh, we went to, uh, I don't know, we've been to other places as well. Even just this year, we've been all over, and we have to, We a lot of that comes out of our own, out of, from donations like you guys. Please bless us so we can continue blessing the people that we go and minister to. I had a little lady in Wales look at me and say, I know why you came here. You came here just for me. You set me free today. 
you uh, you unburdened me from things I've been carrying for the last 50 years. She said, I've been begging God to send me someone to free me from this prison, uh, you know, these prisons in her own heart. And he went all the way to the other side of the world and got you and brought you here. And it just like moved me so much, you know, um, to the Lord will send, come and send us for that, for the one. And um, it's very beautiful. Of course, all kinds of other fruit happened as well. Uh, wonderful little glory story. We were in Oxford and we were just, we went to like some of the places Tolkien went to because Tolkien means so much to me. I had so much healing in my own heart through The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Seriously, a lot of healing, um, deep understanding of the human heart. And it, he weaves it into this fantasy tale. But, you know, you have to walk with the Holy Spirit for him to really unpack it because you can just enjoy the fantasy if you want. And uh, anyway, we walked into uh, the Black Friary and uh, we were, there was a girl praying the rosary there and the, no one else in the whole church. And so we, we kind of knelt down and just spent a little time with the Lord. As soon as I knelt down, I saw, I looked at the, the I just saw, the girl was highlighted to me. She was a few pews ahead of us saying the rosary. And I just saw Joan of Arc. And I saw three angels stationed around her. And I saw she had a shield that was thicker than bullets. And it was the shield of her faith. And it was impenetrable. And uh, and I was like, hmm, wow. Well, Lord, do you want me to share that with her? And uh, we just, I just had my own, then my own little exchange with the Lord. And when we got up to leave, I felt the Lord say, yeah, go share it with her now. So the team's kind of leaving our pew and walking towards the exit. But I just kind of walked up and I said, excuse me, can I share something with you? And she's like, uh, yeah. And I was like, you know, sorry to interrupt you, uh, but I just saw, as soon as I sat in my pew, I saw Joan of Arc on you. And she said, Joan of Arc is my confirmation saint. And then she went, and burst into tears. <laughs> so beautiful. It wasn't like she was loudly sobbing, but she just had tears rolling down her face. And I said, well, praise the Lord. I saw three angels around you, and I saw you have a shield that is impenetrable, shield of your faith. And you are so well protected. And uh, then whatever else I shared, and I called the team over, and they came and gathered around her, and just we laid hand, asked her if we could put a hand on her shoulder. We prayed for her, and they built her up with the words that they got, and she just cried through the whole thing, and had this beautiful look of, just like the, just like this heart, that, so, loves the Lord. And loves hearing from the Lord through the other people of God. Like her heart was so primed to receive the words we gave her. She just soaked it up and just kept saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And just tears rolling down her face. And as it felt to me like this is the prophetic culture. It's just wonderful. Prophetic culture is wonderful. I sent a message. I'll read this one to you. Sent a message. This morning I was just praying and the Lord is like, I set my sail with the Lord. Like I say in the mornings, Jesus, how can I set my sail with you today? Like if you set your sail with him, you will then have a lens that you can interpret the events of the day through because it's what he's actively doing in your life. So like uh, a little while back, I saw, you know, there's diff different things. He, it's always something different. He said uh, a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, we were in Cuba and he said, Today, Our Lady is your sail. I was like, oh, wow. And then some beautiful things through the day that were very connected to Our Lady happened. And it's just like I was primed and waiting and ready. And uh, what, what's some of the other ones? Sometimes it'll be rest or sometimes it's um, 
humility or sometimes uh, people. Like the Lord, one, uh, one day he said, today your sale is people. I want you to just find the joy of, I want you to find a lot of joy just in the people who are in your life and the people you interact with through the day. Man, do we miss out on it. We forget that people, and that's what I really want to talk about today in the podcast, by the way, is it's people. What a joy each person is. They are the treasure. They are, they're not the a, a means to an end. We're not trying to get to heaven. We're trying to get to each other. And how can you get to each other except through the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit mediates hearts and gives us communion. We are, we're relational. We are made for relationship. So it's not enough, you know, that God, that we have the Lord even. He, yes, yes, he is enough. I'm not saying that's enough, but he, it's his way. He wants, what does he say? He said, um, this is my command, love one another, love one another. He wants us in communion with each other. That's his great, it's John 17, right? His whole prayer to the Father, let them be one as we are one. Um, Anyway, so People are the great treasure. If you can figure that out, oh wow! There's such a an abundance of people, <laughs> and it's not based on where they're at. It's based on um, who they are, because they're not necessarily going to be there, ready to be loved and to respond to love. <laughs> so you can't get your oil from people. You get your oil from the Lord. Yada yada yada. Let me get back to this story. So um, I sent a word today. I asked the Lord. Uh, Jesus, what is your, um, what is, what is, how do I set my sail with you today? And today he said, uh, words. He said words. I was like, oh, words? Okay. And then a little bit, I didn't even know what that meant, but a little while later I was like, okay, Lord, what, uh, what does that mean? He said, we'll send out some prophetic words. Ah, okay. So I just started praying, like, who do you want me to send to? I saw my brother, my sister, my dad. Um, several people that I've done ministry with. Um, I ended up sending out a bunch of prophetic words, and they were wonderful. And I got beautiful uh, 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 little responses. This is one of them. I sent to this lady I know. She's uh, Her name's Holly. She's an artist. And um, I just saw God painting her hair with a swoosh of his brush. This is what I wrote. I said, um, I said, your hair is highlighted to me. I see the Father painting your hair on your head. He has clothed your head with his artistry. Your mind sees the world through the artistry of God. I literally see him painting your hair on your head with a masterful stroke. You are his commission. Like he's commissioned himself to paint something, and that, and he commissioned himself to paint Holly. Okay, so this is what she wrote back. She wrote back, just got this amazing text. Like a while later, she wrote back, probably, uh, I don't know, three hours later. Just got this amazing text. Funny, I've been painting hair all morning. The hair of the angels. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So the prophetic word is so poignant for her because it's what she's been doing. And it's what it relates, but then it relates it to relationship with God. Like God, he, he... he looks at her, and he's been painting her, and it's so much more than that, that she really is able to kind of view, like, you know, how Jesus, um, 
I heard uh, Fulton J. Sheen say that Jesus had this, he talks about his sense of humor and how Jesus would look at lilies of the field, but he wouldn't just see the lilies of the field. He would see Solomon in all his glory. So he, he always was seeing through the beauty of nature to the deeper profoundness and then how much Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as one of these lilies that are so fragile and so temporary, you know. How much more valuable are you than these lilies? If God so clothes the lilies of the field, how much more will he clothe you? Like Jesus was seeing truth through the beauty of nature. So he's able to see God's artistry and see the beautiful truths beyond. Get into the mind of the Father. And, and I just saw that with Holly, because Holly does. She I, she gave me, uh, um, some of her artwork has brought me to absolute tears, just sobbing, because it was so profound for me, um, just in what I needed to see and hear, um, and what God was doing in my heart at that time. And she's like, providentially just plopped down in front of me at this critical time in my life. So, um, praise you, Jesus. So there's just a couple examples of like, this is how like the church is built. The church is built through prophecy. Let me rephrase that. Let me say, repeat that. The church is built through prophecy. Prophecy. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, I believe. Prophecy is for the upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation of the church. So, you know, you, and then later, I think in verse 23, 24, somewhere in, in that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, he says, um, you know, you unlock the secrets of the heart of a non-believer through prophecy. And they cast their face on the on the ground and they say, truly God is among you and you've won a new believer for the church. Come on, okay? This is how you draw people, you know, demonstrating the gospel in power through prophecy. And it's an incredible means of, of evangelization. So praise be Jesus. Um, it's funny, I was on the phone with the bank today because the bank teller, I went in and deposited cash a couple weeks ago. The lady uh, subtracted a thousand dollars. She only put in uh, the total of what I deposited minus a thousand dollars. And I saw the receipt when I got home, and I almost had a heart attack. I raced back to the bank, went to the same teller. She said, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, okay, I remember that. Yep." I'll I'll, I'll rectify that. Deposited $1,000 and then handed me the receipt. I went home and uh, went to Wales. (laughs) Came back from Wales, had Easter, went went to New York for a wedding, came back from New York. I sat down and do my finances. I look at the receipt that the lady had handed me. Now, this is, uh, what, two weeks later? And... um, so, yeah, if, I'm, if I say a week ago, sometimes, I mean, it's two weeks. So it was literally two weeks ago that, that I did that deposit and that mistake happened, that I got rectified. Come back here. Here I sit down, and it's, she had put it in the wrong account. Some other person's name on the receipt. I didn't look at the receipt. So I'm like, Jesus, ah! So I call the bank. When I call the bank, I get their, like, there's I don't get the branch. I get their... Um, you know, uh, customer service like place. So, um, 
I got the branch. I don't know how. And I told the lady who answered, like, I didn't, I, in fact, I didn't even know if I got the branch. I just called and I thought I got the, the customer service place. I explained the whole matter and the lady goes, yeah, that was me. I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm talking to the actual teller that did it. Like, uh, oh, amazing. So she goes in, figures it out, redeposits the cash. And I, and I, I said to her, you know, why is this happening? This is a tricky thousand dollars. It keeps sneaking around. And she goes, yeah, sorry about that. And I was like, I think I know why. I, I think I'm supposed to pray for you. So I'm on the phone with the, the bank teller. And I'm like, okay. Um, I just closed my eyes and I, I just saw a ring. And I said, are you in a, you in a relationship? I see a ring. Do you have a fiance or somebody you're thinking about marrying? She's like, yeah. I'm like, she's like, I'm not totally ready for marriage yet but yes and I was like okay and I just felt the Lord say that she should that if she could put Jesus in the heart of that relationship then the marriage will be it'll be ordered towards the cross and that Jesus will make it this fruitful place where she each of she and her spouse learn to die to themselves for the good of the other and it'll turn into glory you know but if she does it without jesus it'll be a very heavy heavy weight and um and then i was like do you go to church she was like well i used to but i don't anymore i said well why why don't you go anymore she said well i just i moved out and i just stopped going and but i but i want to i keep thinking i should go to church i should go to church and I was like, Jesus wants you in a believing community. He wants you there. So um, can I just pray for you real quick? She was like, okay. So I just prayed for her to, to, to feel the love of God. And then I was like, um, can you, uh, I was like, uh, can, can you, do you think you could say this little prayer? We just like repent for our sins and take Jesus as the Lord and love of your life. I was like, it's just real simple. I know you're at work, but you can say it quietly. Just say, I, I repent for my sins, and I take you, Jesus, as the Lord and love of my life. And I said, if you if you can do that, you're just unlocking his hands to give you everything he wants to give you. It's like, he doesn't want to take anything from you. In fact, he wants to give you everything that he has. And he also wants everything that you have to belong to him. He wants you to belong to him completely and him to belong to you completely. But he wants to give you all of life. He wants to give you heaven. And so... She said, thank you, I really needed that. Isn't that beautiful? And then, um, and then we hung up. But So here's the deal is that, wow, why did that happen to me? Why did it happen? Why did the $1,000 keep getting? It's not just for no reason. It's not just because the bank is screwing up. God, when you have the eyes of the heart open, you, can, you see the world through that lens. And uh, what, was God, what was the lens he gave me this morning? He said, words. I give words to people. So I've been giving words to people, and then I end up on the phone with this bank teller, and the Lord's like, give her a word. I'm like, oh, that's why. Praise you, Jesus. So anyhow, you you become a, um, you know, it happened to me also. Let me just share this quick story. Uh, it happened to me when I was driving to New York. I, I don't speed. I'm a, uh, I go maybe six miles, maybe seven miles over the speed limit on the highway. But usually five or six miles, sometimes seven miles. But I was like pulling out of the toll station where you pay the toll. And the car in front of me was next to a truck. So I couldn't 
go the speed that I wanted to go, and he was going pretty slow. So I was waiting for him to get around the truck so I could pass him. As soon as he got around the truck, he pulled to the right lane, and then I sped up to pass him. Well, he must have noticed how slow he was going because then he started speeding up. So he's right next to me, just speeding up, matching my speed. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to get around you so I can get to the... So I ended up going, you know, maybe over 15 miles over the speed limit so I could get around him. But then I'd just go back to my normal speed. And I should have just ducked behind him. But um, it's just, it was all happened super fast in a one smooth motion. Okay, so I'm just spe- I'm just speeding up to get around him, to get to speed, set my cruise control, and just go. And um, he kept, he gunned it next to me. So I was like, oh, so I gunned it a little harder to get around him just so I could do it. So, of course, a cop was right there. Bam, he comes zooming up. Doesn't pull him over, but pulls me over. And I'm like, oh, so I'm sitting there. It hurt my flesh. And I'm just telling the guy, he comes up and, you know, I'm telling him, you know, I don't speed. I was just, it was just that funny moment where I was trying to get around that guy. And he then speeded up. He sped up, sorry. Speeded, sped. So, and the guy's like, well, I am going to give you a ticket. So, sorry. So he goes back and gets a ticket. And I, as I'm sitting there, my my flesh is in absolute agony. I'm embarrassed. I'm like, why didn't he pull the other guy over? To, and the Lord's like, why do you think that happened? It was such a fluke. You don't speed. I mean, I never get pulled over, ever. I've never had a speeding ticket. Maybe I've had one speeding ticket. And it was the real, uh, it got erased, okay? It got erased because of, um, I just don't speed. Like The Lord's like, do you think that I may be doing something here? Trust me in this. Can I trust you, Mike, to trust me that maybe this guy needs to meet you, this policeman. So I'm like, all right, Lord. So I'm like, what's your word? And I just saw this like red highway coming out of the, the cop's heart and a big heart on it. And I was like, what does it mean? What does it mean? And I just saw it's a movement of the heart, like a pathway of the heart. The heart, His heart is moving forward on a path and that it is good and that Jesus is blessing it. And he needs the encouragement. So he came up and he's like, yeah, I know you're probably like, why didn't you pull the other guy over? Well, I pulled you over. I don't know why, but, and I was like, I know why, because I needed to meet you so I could tell you this. And I gave him the word. And then he was like, he listened to it all. And he's like, okay, well, be careful because there's a construction thing coming up here and you don't want to get pulled over there. And I was like, look, guy, I do not speed. I'll be fine. (laughs) But praise Jesus. You know, it cost me 125 bucks. So $125, that's the most expensive uh, prophetic word I've given to date. $125. $125. And I felt the Lord like, can I trust you? That I, I know that God is doing some beautiful breakthrough for that man because he wanted the guy to meet me and he wanted me to, to give that word to him. Isn't that great? So it's like you can see your whole life through the lens of God and what he is doing. You can. Absolutely. Yes, 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 you can. Yep. Nope. Yep. You can. Yep. Oh, but this, but this, but this. I just got this um, beautiful word from uh, my friend, Father Michael Tremor. My gosh, this guy, Father Michael Tremor, sometimes he'll just ask me an innocent question like, hey, uh, what do you think about this scripture verse? Just because he's wondering about it. And then like I ask the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit like goes, and I think end up thinking about it and talking about it and it, and it ends up being blessing me for the next month. And I'm like, do you realize you just say one little thing to me and it ends up blessing me? And, you know, he wasn't even intending that, but he's just a, a such a blessing to my life. So I was, he sent me this beautiful word. He said, I was just realizing that, like, 
when I do inner healing with people, I just talk about how like, it's like wearing sunglasses. When you get hurt, it's like you put on this pair of sunglasses and then you just see the world through those sunglasses all the time. And so you kind of misinterpret or your interpretation of what's going on is colored by those sunglasses that you put on when you got hurt. Okay. And it's very, very true. This is exactly how the heart works. And, um, he said, but this is what I saw. He said, I saw that the father in heaven, because he had asked the father, he's like, father, what do you think of my, and the father, this is the father's response to him in his own prayer. You're perfect. And he's like, well, I am far from perfect, but why would you think that of me? Why would you say that, Father? And he just saw the sunglasses. So he saw this, that the Father in heaven is so motivated by love so that he wears the sunglasses of love. And when he looks at you, he just sees love. He sees how wonderful you are, how much opportunity there is to love you and to receive love from you and to, um, and to grow in love and for you to be redeemed by his love and it's just all the possibilities of love. He just sees everything through the sunglasses of love. It's like, oh my goodness. It's just a sign to you. You don't have to think the way that you think. The way that you think is so colored by the, the glasses that you're wearing. Get into the mind of the Father. I see it all the time with the people that I'm either on mission with or the people I'm friends with. I'll see or or it'll get exposed to me. I had my feeling. I was like telling some one of my friends up. Yeah, I got my feelings hurt by so and so. I just feel left out. Do, 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 do. And then I end up talking to that person and like, oh my goodness, they're so good, so loving. The situation's so different than I think it is. You know, and they they end, end up leaving me so built up in in the madness of my own mind. I create through my own sunglasses i create a whole scenario that doesn't even exist or or is a version okay it's mike's version of it that i can back up sure but remember this the devil tempted jesus with scripture so he uses true evidence to persuade you into a lie and so when you're seeing the world through your through your sunglasses of pain you're actually not interpreting reality correctly you're, you're giving your version of it, which is very colored by the sunglasses you're wearing. Anyway, yada, yada, yada. My point is for today is people. People are, a tr- are the treasure. They are the treasure. Like sometimes in ministry, we, I, you can k- get stuck on breakthrough or ministry or setting captives free. Like that's the end. But no, 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 no. It's people are the end like it's not just the person getting free it's the person being loved because we're we are relational we're built for relationship it's god being able to have you he wants you so yeah there's all these things of like discipleship and and um there's liturgy there's Learning to die to yourself, da 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 But what his end is not for you to like do all those things because it somehow builds a kingdom. His end is him having you. The two of you being face to face, gazing at each other, one pouring love into the other, the other receiving it and pouring love back. That's the end.
you are the end. And that is just, isn't that a great, isn't that great news? And so for, um, you know, for us, like, if I'm going to pray with somebody, it's not just to get accurate prophetic words, which is so beautiful when you get accurate words of knowledge or things like that, that build them up or just praying with them to set them free. It really is them being free to receive God's love and then us being able to be to love each other as God's children. It's wonderful. It's heaven. And when you can figure that out, then there's a thousand opportunities for heaven around you. A thousand opportunities for heaven. But we get so clouded in on our situation and our past and so in our distrust of God and our distrust of people. You know, we're we're also that I think one of the things we do is we end up um, trying to get from people what we can only get from God. And that will end up breaking your heart. So I was praying the other day, and the Lord told me, um, I'm going to tell you this scripture because it's so good. Now, I was praying about like a relationship type thing and um, where I just had my feelings were just deeply hurt. And uh, the Lord said to me, Matthew 25 Verses 8 through 9. I was like, okay, I have no clue what those verses are. I can't just pull that out of my head. So Matthew 25, 8 to 9. Okay, so I look them up, those exact two verses. And these are the verses. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And it hit me, those Two verses hit me in a way they never have before. So these are the ten uh, virgins, right? Five of them are foolish and don't have enough oil. Five of them do have enough oil. And the five without enough oil go to the the wise ones and say, give us some of your oil. And what I, I always saw that as like, you know, you can't, you oil to me is prayer. It is time and prayer, time spent in the presence of God. That's where you get oil. And so, like, God has really broken that down for me. I think it's in uh, Zechariah 4, where he says um, something like, actually, I'm going to read that to you, too. Okay, so Zechariah 4, this is verse um, uh, 11 through 14. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the, of the lampstand? This is in the middle of his vision he's having. Okay, there's this. There's this um, lampstand that has these receptacles and the olive trees are pouring oil into the lampstand. And like the interpretation I have is like the lampstand is like you as the light of Christ. And you can't have burn with that fire unless you have oil. And so you're getting oil from these the, the, the uh, olive trees. So what are the olive trees? And a second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? He said to me, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So listen, there's these two anointed ones, right? Standing by the Lord of the whole earth. And I just see these two olive trees standing in the presence of God, just in his presence. So to me, that's prayer. The olive, tr the oil comes from you um, 
being in the presence of God, just sitting in his presence, sitting in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, or just sitting with the Lord, wasting time with Jesus, uh, becoming accustomed to his presence. And then, um, I'm sorry if you hear my kids in the background, I just got, I'm doing this podcast, totally unannounced, just totally in obedience to the Lord today. And um, and then the lampstand is this, like you receiving the oil and being able to light the light of Christ, you know, right? So in my mind, back to Matthew 25, this is just... Um, the the wise virgins are those who have stewarded the presence of God, have valued prayer, valued sitting in the in God's presence. They have oil, and so yeah. So I always saw the unwise ones is like people who are trying to, like you know that saying, God has no grandchildren. Like you can't float into heaven based just because your mom praise a lot or some or you spend time with somebody else who's holy you you gotta have your own relationship with the lord you really have to come to know him yourself intimately he wants you he doesn't want you to just be around holy things okay because there are a lot of people who hover around the gates of heaven and never walk in like you gotta actually enter the mass is that way you can hover around god at mass and never quite really come to know him deeply because you never you got to walk through the mass you have to encounter the living god and have a dynamic and living relationship with him an honest one where you speak to him and you hear his voice and you value him and you build your life around the his movements and his lens and the way he sees things you know you build your reality based on his reality and that so so that's a whole different thing than just um than um I mean, it's totally possible to be going to Mass every day and have barely any relationship with Jesus. I know a lot of people who go to Mass every day, and I hear a lot of people really just a lot of condemnation from people, you know? How can you, if you're coming to know the living God, how can all this condemnation be flowing out of your mouth? Jesus said, I do not come to condemn, right? He's like, wait, he's my judge, he's, he's my judge, and he's my intercessor, it says in Romans 8. He's interceding for me at the right hand of the Father, and he's my judge as well. Come on, this is a win-win situation. My my judge is my intercessor. Come on. That's where Jesus' mind is at. What does he say to the woman, the adulterous woman? He says, has no one condemned you? She says, no. He says, then I can I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. So his go and sin no more is not a wagging finger. It is a blessing. I am not condemning you either. I didn't come to condemn. I came to empower you to to bear fruit in the Spirit. I came to empower you in freedom to not sin. I'm going to empower it with my Holy Spirit. He blessed her. Go and sin no more. Boosh. I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to be integrated into your triumph over sin. Okay, this is right before the... This is right leading. This is his... Um, uh, Right before his, um, it's like the last time he went to Jerusalem before like the triumphal entry. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, yada yada yada. There's some beautiful stuff in that scripture, but but let's not go that way. So I always interpreted like this the oil thing as, um, what, you know, you can't, you can't get oil by just being religious and. Um, talking about it and thinking about it, you actually have to be in his presence. You have to spend time with him and come to know him. 
and know what he sounds like and how he thinks and how his heart moves like inner uh, relationally right because god is relational we humans are relational we are built for relationship and god if you want to know god you got to learn relationship and really how else do you learn relationship except through people but i'm getting to that i'm getting to that i'm getting to that so so what I saw for the first time in this Matthew 25, verses 8 and 9 was, And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The Lord said to me immediately as I read that, You're, you're trying to get oil from them. And it wasn't just the oil of knowing God. That's what I always thought it was. I was actually trying to get oil from relationships with people. He's like, you can't get oil from people. You can't. You can only get oil from the Lord. He's just showing me this. You, oil comes from God. He can give you um, oil, but people cannot. He's just showing me this. When you, when he said love one another, I, what is it? It's in, um, I think it's John 15. He says, you know, this is my, you know, ab- abide in my love. If you obey my commands, you will abide in my love. And this is my command. So he's like tells you, okay, this is how you abide in his love is you obey his command. And this is his command. Love one another. So I'm like, well, what about that? And he's like, well, look at that word. It's not, it's not get your oil from one another. It's agape. It's lay your life down. Because right after that, he says there's no greater love and then for one to lay down his life for his friends. So it's agape. Like you get your oil from the Lord and then you can lay your life down for the people in your life. And the reason you're so hurt is you're trying to get oil from them. You want to have uh, a give and a take like a, well, you know, we have a relationship and I love you. You love me, you know. He's like, you can't put that pressure on people. Yes, that's how a relationship's supposed to be. But you, you, when, you do, when you do that, you're making the flesh your strength. You're putting your trust in mankind. And remember that Jeremiah 17, I always quote it. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, who makes the flesh his strength. That word for strength, I think it's zara. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it in Hebrew. I, I should look it up. But it means to scatter seed. So he makes the flesh where he scatters his seed, where he plants and grows. Cursed is that man. Um, You're going to bear fruit in the flesh. What is the flesh? You trying to survive. You trying to substantiate yourself. You trying to get oil. Getting oil from people is going to leave you brokenhearted. And that's what the Lord is showing me. No, 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 no. You get your oil from me. You can't, the, so these, these unwise virgins, the foolish virgins, were people who are trying to get from other people what they can only get from God. And I, I was like, wow. He said, you get your oil from me, and then you go lay your life down for other people. And uh, when you have that schematic, when you're operating in that, my gosh, people become beautiful. Because people are broken. I had a conversation with somebody today. I prayed with someone today, and then they told me where their heart was at. And all I can see, my lens was just how blessed they are. 
how much they have to give thanks for. Their lens is a lot of the suffering they've had, you know, in, based on what they've been through in the past. And it's like, you're letting the past color the blessings of and erase the blessings of today. I can see that. But it didn't, dim- so, so they're having a hard time. But from my perspective, so I wasn't getting a lot of love back, okay? <laughs> but from my perspective, I could see what a wonderful person they were. They're just a beautiful, wonderful person. And they're suffering through what they're suffering, and they're going to figure that out with the Lord. So it doesn't matter to, uh, you know, you can people around you can be in pain, and you can be free. And you can do what God, you know, do whatever he tells you. You can do for them what God tells you to do, because God gave me very specific instructions for how to uh, bless the person. And then you can leave that up to them and the Lord. And just if they don't give great feedback right away or find all this breakthrough, it doesn't take you down because you don't get your oil from them. You get your oil from the Lord. You're just obedient to him. I just see it. It's so simple. You draw your value. You draw your identity. And you get your your love and your oil, (laughs) your oil from the Lord. Your stability. He is a rock that you can build your house on. Your future your lens for how to see the world uh, from him. And that postures you to be able to love people who are easy to love and love people who are not easy to love. And most people keep switching back and forth between those two. (laughs) You know, the person I was talking to today is an incredible person that has blessed me immensely. But today happens to be one of those days where they're a little more difficult to love. (laughs) But praise Jesus. That doesn't decide whether I love them or not, okay? You can't get your love, your, your oil from people. You get it from the Lord. This you Look at the lives of the saints and how these, you know, you have, um, they'd marry some uh, pagan or something and then pray for them for their entire life. Like what about St. Monica praying for her husband, praying for her son? All those years, you know, you think, oh, poor thing. Well, No, not poor thing. She had Almighty God. And if she figured that part out, she had the source of all oil because she's not going to get oil from the other two. Yeah, yes, some people have a more bitter walk than other people. But to be honest, everybody has access to Almighty God. We just don't know it. So if I'm going to pity you, I'm going to pity more poor person who's trying to get their oil from other people. Gosh, you're going to be cursed is the man who trusts in mankind who makes the flesh his strength and turns his heart aside from the Lord. He is like a juniper bush in the Arabah. When good comes, he cannot see it. You know, it's like that's how I saw this poor person I was talking to today. It's like all these blessings to give thanks for. So many blessings. And you can't even see them. They're clouded out by what happened to me three years ago. Come on, let's get those glasses off and let's get new glasses on. When I say come on, I'm talking to myself, not to that beautiful person. Because if you end up hearing this podcast, you know you're awesome and I love you. But to be honest, we see it in each other, right? And God's his main his main thing to me is this, Mike. The great joy of life, if you can figure it out, if you can get this shifted here where you get your oil from the Lord, it's not for you to run away and be with the Lord and alone and never. The great joy in life is actually people. 
people are marvelous. God has that figured out. He said it to me in my prayer one time. He said, uh, I was telling him, like, Lord, oh, you have us miserable people. You have to save us. And then we get to look forward to heaven. We get to go to heaven one day. Have our, you know, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has ready for those who love him. Like, that's what we're looking forward to, the fullness. I was like, what do you have to look forward to? And Jesus said to me, Michael, you are my heaven. It's like he's, when you finally let, when, you know, he's in Revelations, he's, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And to him who opens, I will come in and make, or whatever he says, or I forget, make my home with him or whatever. And I'll dwell with him. It's like when you actually open the door to me and I get to enter your heart, that's my heaven. Because God is love. He is made for relation. I mean, not made. He's not made. He is relational and he made us for relationship. His great joy is to someone to receive his love and respond with love. And that's my great joy because I'm made in his image and likeness. That's actually what my heart is desiring. That's why I want to get my oil from people, right? Because how else do you learn about relationship except through people? But you have to, there's this love that perfects the other loves, and that's agape. Agape is that higher love that perfects Philios and eros and whatever whatever the other loves are whatever the lesser loves are they're perfected by agape agape is where you love shifts into the will and you love somebody because you have chosen them it's uh, look at the old testament god is like you um you know you're you prostitute yourself to the nations you bear your your yourself to foreign nations and foreign gods and your lovers, you know, he's talking about how, you know, you're my bride and you go off and just sleep with everybody else. In other words, you, you're, you're, you betray me, you hurt me, you dishonor me, you, you um, uh, think of it this way. I heard that, you know, the, the Levites were the priestly um, tribe and they were not supposed to own any land because their inheritance is in the Lord. Well, Reuben, we were just out in Wales, and Reuben said, you know, did you know that by the time Jesus was 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 around, 75% of the land was owned by Levites. Come on. So they were, they were totally, uh, they were shepherding themselves. They weren't shepherding the people, they were shepherding themselves. So this is what God's saying. He's like, you drive me crazy. You hurt me. You hurt my sheep. You don't even shepherd my sheep. You eat them. You devour them for yourselves. Yada, 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 yada. But what does he say? But I will redeem you because you are my chosen people. The love God has for us is in his will. I have chosen you. And therefore, I will redeem you. It's the, it is that higher love that perfects the lower loves. The lower loves are not bad. They're, they're good, but they're, they need to be perfected by agape. It, it, um, it, there's, it's the new wine, okay? That's why uh, the wedding feast at Cana has new wine. There's this first wine. You know, usually you, you drink, you serve the first wine, the better wine first, and then you serve the lesser wine once everyone's drunk and freely. But no, that's not how it works with love. It's like in a marriage when you... You know, you fall deeply and passionately in love with each other. Remember, Andy and I were so in love. Like, I pined for her. She had to go to work when we were in college, you know. I, I 
counted the minutes till I could go and bring lunch and meet her and have lunch on the on the on the, uh, on the quad, you know. And then I would just like say goodbye to her and count the seconds until I could see her again. And then we would stay up till five in the morning every, and then she'd get two hours of sleep, going to work again, and I would sleep in because <laughs> I was I was a musician so I was doing stuff at night you know I taught lessons and played gigs and stuff so anyway my point is we had this fiery love and then um uh but then you know after you know those first 10 years 15 years of marriage a lot of dying happened had to happen and it was like as I learned to love her uh, I would say even, you know, we've been married 25 years. Even in the last year, I've recognized ways that I love her for myself and I need to be loving her for her good. And it's it has given me such freedom in these certain situations where I realize it was a grasping love. It was like loving, it was a lesser love. It was like, lo- you know, the lesser loves are like, well, philios is like, you know, you love each other because you have like friendship and I love you, you love me, and it works great. Well, you know, Jesus says in Matthew 5, what credit is it to you if you love those who love you back? God sends the uh, rain on the just and the unjust. He has the sunrise on the good and the bad, you know. So love your enemies and pray for your persecutors. So be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is... Um, that's as I learned how to love her for her good, meaning anything that is good for her, I want it. Even if it means I'm totally out of the picture because it has nothing to do with me. The flesh says, no, no, no. Everything that has to do with you has to do with me. That's what the flesh says. But, um, but, but, but agape love says, no, no, whatever is good for you, I want it. And when you learn, that's like loving with open hands. It's it's uh, loving without attachment, like Teresa of Avila talks about. Loving without attachment. It's um, This is how the Lord has given it to me. Loving to bless and not to possess. Love to bless, not to possess. Isn't that beautiful? And in marriage, you know, you find a lot of it. You find a lot of... Um, opportunities to learn that so here i'm um the lord is teaching me in my marriage and as i learn to love to bless and not to possess a new wine comes the better wine because it's a it's a love that is empowered by the holy spirit it's actually a divine love i'm in the flesh so it's impossible for me to agape love for me without the holy spirit is impossible with the holy spirit it is totally possible because the Holy Spirit will fund it. It's something only God can do. In the flesh, you, you, you're you wired not to die, right? Your brain is wired to survive. So you cannot die to self. But with the Holy Spirit, it is a, a divine movement to die to yourself. It's something to be done with God, not separate from God, with him. And so he divinely empowers your love for the other and because you're you're loving to bless them, not to possess them. And really, I can't bless without the Holy Spirit. So this new wine comes in and it is deep and it is beautiful. So I find myself 
looking at captivated by my wife because I've removed the glasses of what about me, you know, of the flesh. And I have on clear glasses and I am captivated. And she has become 10 times more beautiful to me. Like she astounds me with her beauty. I watch her interact with people. I watch her, you know, we were at uh, my uh, niece's wedding and my wife was called, uh, asked to walk her dad down the altar because my mother-in-law wasn't able to be there for health reasons. And there was a time in our marriage where I said, what about me? I want you to sit with me. You know, it would have really poked my flesh because I already feel on the outside because it's in-laws, you know, it's that family. Not I already feel on the outside. And loving to bless and not to possess, watching her walk her dad down filled me with joy. I was able to see it. My gosh, isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful where she comes from? Isn't it beautiful her honoring her dad? I mean, power. This is the power of God. Uh, there are people who knew me 10 years ago who would say, um, Lord have mercy, you know, this isn't going to go well. And then to watch, they would look at that that version, the version of me, you know, watching her walk down the aisle with her dad, saying, good Lord, this is a miracle. <laughs> so I just, it just has given, there's this new wine. I'm absolutely captivated by the woman, and I'm able to love her with a unattached way that is divinely empowered, and it is, the flavor is incredible. It is way better than the first wine. Way better. So um, people, getting your oil from the Lord and then loving others in an unattached way, people become the great secret, the great joy. Because, gosh, they're all over the place. And, you know, you're relational. You're yearning for relationship. And you have the power with the Holy Spirit to be an incredible blessing to people. And then watch, watch how the Lord blesses them. As they're blessed, you are blessed. It's true. As they get blessed, you get blessed. It's incredible how I, um, how God substantiates me. You know, in the flesh, I had to substantiate myself. I had to prove my value. I had to somehow be a, a mover and a shaker or bring something to the table letting the flesh die you don't have to bring anything to the table because the holy spirit proves your worth for you it says in romans 8 the spirit of god testifies with my spirit that i am a child of god it's the spirit of god that testifies with my my spirit that i'm a child of god like he testifies he says hey this is a son of god and you don't have to say a thing so when you know, I I gave a talk at a church recently, and um, as I was talking, I just saw I saw um, that someone's neck pain. I actually had a pain in my neck, and I was like, "This is not me. I don't have this pain." And so it's like, "Jesus, is this a word of knowledge?" He's like, "Yeah, somebody. I'm going to heal a neck thing right now." It's like somebody's neck is getting healed right now. Who is it? I said it from the pulpit. Who's whose neck is getting healed right? Now? Nobody raised their hand. It's like, okay. And I continue with my talk. Well, uh, two weeks later, the priest writes me and says, hey, after Mass today, a lady came up and said, 
that when you said someone's neck is getting healed, her neck was completely healed. She was too shy to raise her hand. Wow. Well, you know, resting in my sonship, resting in the fact that uh, getting my oil from the Lord, I didn't have to get that my value in that moment. It would have helped, but I didn't have to. I can love in a way where the woman gets healed. I found out about it later, and it's okay. The timing of it, there's a little bit of a death to self there, but that's okay. It's all right. It doesn't take me down. I was able to continue my talk with the joy of the Lord, go down and lead people in the rosary, pray over people. Um, I didn't see any breakthrough. Uh, I did actually did see breakthrough, but um, I heard a much more breakthrough later, and it was powerful. And being in... When you get your oil from the Lord, it's funny because like in ministry, you I've just found out the hard way, but that, you know, people getting healed does not replace oil. Can't get your oil from success in ministry. Like, yes, I've seen incredible miracles happen and uh, people get set free. It's wonderful, but... It doesn't replace oil. My heart is not satisfied. My heart is not, um, it doesn't replace relationship with God. So it's like, it just drives you into even a deeper search to know the Lord. I need you, a desperation in your heart. I need to know you, Jesus, whether I never, whether nobody ever gets healed under my hands again, that's fine. Or I never give a prophetic word again. That's fine. I need to know you, Lord. And, and then knowing him and the oil that comes from his presence then seeps out of you when you're in ministry. It just gets things rightly ordered. And then you, um, in ministry, you can, you know, it doesn't matter if the person gives great feedback now or later, you can confidently walk with the Lord and do whatever he tells you. And let, let the fruit bear its, let it be born in time. It's interesting. It reminds me of a line where um, I, I heard, uh, if you are seeing fruits, somebody else planted the seeds. You're just there on the harvest time. If you're not seeing fruits, you're planting seeds and somebody else will see the fruits. Okay. So um, that's really good. But you have to have peace there. Your peace, whether you're seeing fruits or not. I want the Lord. I get my oil from the Lord. If I give a prophetic word and it looks like it falls flat and I... That doesn't take my peace away. No, because my oil comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from success in ministry. If I'm with people and they don't really, like I was talking to my friend today and she wasn't really making me feel very loved. Some of the things she said, I, you know, but that doesn't matter. My oil comes from the Lord and I can love her in the situation she's in. And I actually enjoy her. Like she's absolutely phenomenal. And like everything I was getting in prayer for her, just like, wow, you are just so blessed. It's so wonderful. All it does is convince you more and more what a treasure people are. People are a treasure, but you can't see it unless you're getting your oil from the Lord. Okay, so Jesus, what else do you want to say today in this podcast? <laughs> this is what I keep seeing. He figured this out. He actually invented it. God believes it, that people are the great treasure. They are not a means to an end. They are the end. I know that's something uh, Father Michael Trummer said that to me rec recently. He said that John Paul II said that. 
He's quoting John Paul II. People are not a means to an end. They are the end. The uh, Catechism says it about the church, that the church is ordered to the holiness of its members. The reason the church exists is for us to be holy. What is, hol what is holiness? Holiness is being in relationship with God, receiving love from Him and responding with love. The opposite of holiness is sin, right? Sin is just putting an obstacle between you and God, or between your neighbor and God, or between you and your neighbor, you know? That's sin. Sin is putting an obstacle there. Uh, if you have premarital sex, you th you're actually, you know, for the... the uh, the, the chemicals that are being released in your partner's body are bonding chemicals. And uh, you're actually setting them up so that they will be bonded to you in a physical way. And then you're not going to be with them forever because this is just an extramarital thing. And there's no commitment. And so the chances are you're not necessarily going to be together forever, right? And then when that relationship is severed, then those chemicals then become weakened because it's like a lifetime bonding thing that happens. And in the spiritual, uh, it happens as well, very bonded spiritually and physically. And then the next time those chemicals get released, it's not as powerful. So you're setting them up to have a weakened marital relationship, right? You're setting them up to fail, basically. So it's kind of like you're asking them... To, and God to have to go leaps and bounds to be rescued and to be to have a healthy you know you're, you're, you're it's like pushing them into traffic or if they're gonna if they conceive a baby well maybe I will stay together you know we're still figuring that out but in the meantime we're gonna have sex and then uh, yeah you get you get pregnant well okay you're asking a child to come into the world without a stable loving home life so you know, I'm not, and I'm saying if if the child is conceived, yes, yes, of course, we, um, you know, everything's for the baby. But why do we not have premarital sex? Because we want the spouse, our spouse, we want to be the the rocket engines for them to have freedom, and have um, a solid life and be provided for that comes from agape love. I'm going to lay my life down for you. I'm going to die so that for the good of the other. So I'm going to wait, I'm going to die to myself, control, have self-control, and we'll have sex after we get married. When, you know, when both the law and God are on our side, I had this, this thought back when I was, um, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I was thinking like, cause I have all these daughters too. And I'm thinking like, you know, when I go in, when I, how many times, I have seven kids, so how many times have I, and two in heaven, so that's nine times that we have approached my in-laws and said, Annie's pregnant, you know, so excited. Well, look what, I, I can go with a clear conscience to them because I have the law on my side. We have a legal contract. I have the church on my side. The church has witnessed our union and I've vowed myself till death, you know, uh, to, to her. Um, it's expected of us to, we actually are supposed to be raising up children. And so I go with a clear conscience. But what if I was going before her dad and saying, um, uh, Annie's pregnant and I may or may not be around in 10, 20, 30 years, you know, like 
How can that be right? That's why premarital sex is wrong. And that's why dying to myself. That's why uh, sin is an obstacle to Annie and her success. If I was sinning with her, it is putting a stumbling block towards her. It's asking her to overcome leaps and bounds to get into a good place against odds, right? Instead of um, being removing obstacles. Jesus said obstacles will come and woe to him through whom they come. You know, to the one who causes this little one to sin. Better if a millstone is tied around his neck and he's thrown into the sea. It's a big deal. So sin is the the rules are there just to remove obstacles between us and God and us and each other so that we can have the freedom to love to draw our oil from the Lord and to um, and to be a blessing to the people around us, agape love the people around us. That's why the rules are there. But the world doesn't see it that way. The world sees it as like, if it feels good and it's not hurting anybody, then it's okay. Well, you don't understand how it, it actually is hurting someone. So if you, I mean, if you really look at it, no, it actually is hurting someone. So the rules are really important. They're ordered towards the holiness of the people who are following the rules. The rules are there for us to have a freedom of relating, receiving love from God and responding with love, being able to receive communion, <laughs> being able to have a clear conscience before God and before our families, um, to be able to bless each other and lay down our lives for each other. I just see that also in just like relationships my relating with other people cannot be based on what I'm getting from them. It's got to be based on what's good for them. So to know the treasure of what, who people are means that I have to be well accustomed to dying to myself. And you only can die to yourself when you know that your value comes from your identity as a son. Jesus gave you his sonship. So how important that is. I am a son of the Father. That's why in Hebrews 12, he talks all about like chastising you. God is legitimizing your sonship because you have no, nothing else to do with to draw your value from except for the fact that you're a son because you're getting chastised. Like you have no fruits, you have no success, you have no, you're being misinterpreted or, or, um, or you actually have screwed up, you know. So you're getting chastised, your, your weakness is showing, yada, 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 but you still have that value. You are a son. I don't know if I talked about it in the last podcast, but remember the portico of Solomon. The portico of Solomon. It's the one part of the temple that was not destroyed by the Babylonians. And I believe it wasn't destroyed, I'm pretty sure, by the Romans in 70 AD. I'm not sure. I think so. The portico of Solomon. It's the one part of the temple that stayed. And I, what is the temple? The temple is the body of is, is Jesus. Jesus is the temple. His body is. So what's the one thing that is was not destroyed was in Jesus was his, what is his identity? Son of David. What, who is Solomon? The son of David. His identity as a son was not taken from him. And what does Solomon mean? Shalom. Sholomon means peace. This peace in his sonship was never taken away from him. Even on the cross, he was able to suffer and die to himself because he firmly 
rested on his sonship. Remember Jesus in the boat, his head is resting on a pillow and the storm is raging around and the disciples are freaking out. That pillow is a proskephalon in Greek. Pros is four. Kepha is stone, but it is the cornerstone just a few chapters later. That the stone which the builders rejected has become the corner, the cornerstone. That's that same word, kepha. So he was sleeping on his, for the kepha, for the stone, on his identity as the cornerstone. He was sleeping on that. He could rest on that. And he was able to rest on that on the cross. And the storm, which was, what was the storm raging around him? The second flood. It's the same. It was, it was prefigured by um, Jonah. When Jonah, the seas are raging, and then they cast Jonah into the sea, and the seas come, immediately become silent. So why did the sea obey Jesus? Because it was, he was the sign of Jonah. He said, be still. Because on the cross, he was cast into the sea. He was thrown into, and he drowned in the, um, the, uh, the second flood. That's why um, there's only two places in Scripture that I've found where someone was sleeping during a storm on the sea, sleeping in a boat, and that was Jonah, and that was Jesus. Jonah and Jesus. Jonah gets up, goes up there, says, well, it's because I'm running away from God. It's, it's because of me. They throw him into the water, and the sea goes completely calm. Jesus goes up, and he just says, he rebukes them for their lack of faith, and he says, be still, and the sea goes totally still. So the same thing happens. Why wasn't he thrown into the water? He was on the cross. Everything is reconciled on the cross. That's when the second flood happened on the cross. Um, remember this. The, uh, why does the second flood look like the cross? Because after the flood, God hangs a rainbow in the sky. In Hebrew, it's called a keshet. It's a, it's a hunting bow. or a, a, It was God's weapon of mass destruction that he fired at the earth. Okay? opening up the deep in Genesis uh, uh, 7 and the f waters flooding and killing everything. That was, he promised in Genesis 8, he promises, I will never uh, use that weapon of mass destruction again. So he hangs the rainbow in the sky. So it's a terrifying symbol, the rainbow. But then, um, you know, here comes by the time of Jesus, you got this, the Levites own 75% of the land. They're supposed to, have, their inheritance is supposed to be in the Lord and they're just using their office for their own gain. They're shepherding themselves. One thing amongst many, the whole world, even the chosen people have turned against God. That's chosen people. And then everybody else, all the Gentiles, they're just completely pagan. And the Lord takes up his weapon of mass destruction and he fires at the earth again, but he also stands in the way. So he fires arrows of mass destruction and they pierce his own hands and his own feet and his side. So the second flood is Jesus being pierced on the cross. And out of his heart flows blood and water. It's the waters of the second flood mingled with his blood, and his blood has taken the violence out of it. So when we die in baptism, it's, an, it's a nonviolent death. But we really do die. You become a son. You come out of baptism a new creation. And the joy that you realize when when you that you have in your life when you actually walk in that i am a son 
I'm a son of the Father through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been filially adopted, you know. When you realize that and actualize it and live from it and take that as your identity, and your mom and dad are now your brother and sister. They're not your mom and dad anymore. They're not your lineage anymore. You can honor them as your mom and dad because they've cooperated to give you life, but they're not your mom and dad. They're not your lineage. Your lineage is through, not from the old Adam down to Seth, down to Noah, down to grandma and grandpa, down to mom and dad to me. No, no, no. That's not your lineage anymore. You are a new creation. Your lineage comes from the new Adam and the new Eve. Directly, You are directly descended of the Father through this new lineage. That when you walk in that, the freedom that comes. My gosh, you draw your, you can sleep in the boat with a storm around you. You can meet with people and see what a treasure they are, even when they're crappy people, <laughs> when they're acting crappy, is what I mean, when they're not there yet. And you can find, you know, you draw your oil from the Lord. You get your identity from him and your um, dignity from him. It's only for there that you can actually be on the cross and praying for people. Because the only, I'm going to say this a thousand times, the only thing that hurts on the cross is the flesh. Is your, it's me against the world, I have to survive. That's the flesh. Me against the world, I have to somehow survive. That hurts on the cross. But when you let that die, oh, the joy of life. The, the great joy of life, drawing oil from the Lord and being able to lay your life down for people around you, to love people. You become a strength outwards. Back to Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is the Lord. In Hebrew, that is, Vahaya Yahweh Mibtacho. So it's not whose confidence is the Lord. It actually is, and becomes Yahweh his confidence and becomes Yahweh his confidence. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and becomes Yahweh his confidence. The word mibtacho is um, in modern Hebrew means uh, an underwriter. So you think when you go to apply for a loan, the bank the loan officer looks at all your information and sends it over to an underwriter. And the underwriter looks at your bill payment history, your credit score, and they basically come up, hmm, this guy's uh, worth taking a risk on. Yeah, he's trustworthy. Okay, go ahead and give him the loan. See, God becomes your underwriter. He's like, so basically it's saying, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. The Lord trusts in him and becomes God his, his trust his confidence, his underwriter. God trusts in him. He is like a tree planted by running water. By the running stream, he sends forth his roots. I don't know if I've shared this in a, in a podcast before. I probably have, but you need to be reminded of it. That word for running stream is yubal. Because you, the word, the, the root is yabal. It means a constant flow, to constantly flow. So it also means a ram's horn. Because when you blow a ram's horn, it's like... Like the shofar, the shofar yubal. The shofar yubal is a ram's horn that you blow at the beginning of the jubilee year. So it also means running stream. He's, by the running stream, he sends forth his roots. A tree planted by water. But there's a play on words here, yubal. There's other words for running stream. 
um, it means a constant flow. By the constant flow, he sends forth his roots. And what is Jubilee? In the 49th year, God provides enough food so that you have enough for, the, for three years. Three years worth of providence. So the 49th year, either you have to, you have enough food for that year. And then the 50th year, which is the Jubilee year, no one does any work. No planting, no harvesting, nothing. And you just live off the, the incredible providence of, from the last year. And then you even have enough food for the first year of the next cycle while you're planting um, your your uh, crops for to harvest that year. So while you're waiting for those to mature, you have enough. So you have three years worth of providence in Jubilee. That's the guy who trusts in the Lord. God can trust him. He can. Your, your, your roots are in his constant flow and you're a strength outwards. You have three years worth of providence all the time. Your people are coming to you and finding shade in your branches. Okay? That's the guy who trusts in the Lord. And you're, that's the guy who gets his oil from God. And then he becomes a blessing to people. And you can actually be that for people. You know how wonderful it is to be that for people? It is wonderful. Of course, it doesn't. It's not. You don't get your identity from it. But it's a, the most wonderful way to know people is to be the person who unlocks them. Their prison door sets them free. Okay? That's the person who trusts in the Lord. Uh, continues his, he doesn't, uh, his, uh, let's see, it says, when the heat comes, he does not see it. Some translations say fear it. But the word is ra'ah. He doesn't see it. He doesn't even see the heat. I think it also says fear in there. It's confusing to me when I look at the text, but. So when this, I always just quote it this way. When the heat comes, he doesn't see it. In a year of drought, his leaves stay green and he puts forth fruit. I'm saying this from memory. So read Jeremiah 17 and just that. Those two lines are just gorgeous. And then directly after that, it says, Above all things, the heart deceives desperately wicked who can understand it. So it now moves into the heart and the flesh. This is the perfect uh, description of the flesh. Above all things, the heart deceives desperately wicked who can understand it. And the word, I think, is ashon. Ashon is the Hebrew word. Desperately ashon. I think it is because we I th uh, they derive the words ish isha are related to it. That's man and woman. But it's not the exalted pre-fall man. It's it's post-fall man. It's man who, um, even though it's used in the creation story before that, um, before the fall, it is. But uh, it's man who is is mortal. Because... Um, Ashon means to be mortal or sickly or or sick or mortal or weak. So basically doomed to die, right? So above all things, the heart deceives, desperately doomed to die. Ooh, desperately doomed to die. Who can understand it? I alone search the heart and test the mind. That's the description of the flesh. The flesh is like you in competition with yourself. So when you you have to draw oil from people, you have to get, they have to treat you a certain way or you have nothing, you know, because you're in competition with your own doom. So the flesh constantly has to put you at the center of the room. Either everybody loves me 
or the whole room is united against me, one way or the other. <laughs> so the flesh will even take the fall. It'll take the fall, be like, oh, it was all my fault. Oh, it's probably all my fault. If you find yourself saying that all the time, that's the flesh. Let that die. Start to honor yourself. You're actually getting in the way of relationships. You're trying to draw oil from some false humility. That's really the flesh. It is just the ego placing itself in the center of the room. Oh, it's all my fault. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Things always go wrong when I'm there. You know, oh, gosh, yeah, it's my fault. Don't take the fall. No, 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 no. Honor yourself. Um, the truth is, you can't, the Spirit, when you live by the Spirit, you can please God. When you live by the flesh, you cannot please God. It is impossible to please God because you're constantly putting yourself in the middle. Even if it's to take the fall and take the blame. You're, you're getting you're getting to be the center, right? So you're surviving, but it comes at the cost of you dying. So there's like this division, a house divided that happens with the flesh. When you draw your oil from the Lord, the I am a son. You can honor yourself. You have peace. You aren't dependent on how other people's moods are for you to be able to have peace. You can actually see good. When good comes, he does not see it, the one who, who doesn't trust in the Lord. Cursed the man who, who trusts in mankind and puts his, makes the flesh his strength, turns his heart aside from the Lord. He can, when good comes, he cannot see it, or he doesn't see it. It's referring directly to the promised land. Like When the promised land shows up, you don't even recognize it, and so you never enter. That's why it says he's like a juniper bush in the Arabah. The Arabah is the desert where they took the second census. And there they, and it says, it's in Numbers 26, I believe, every single person who was over the age of 20 at the first census was dead. Here's the promised land, and they didn't get to go in it because they put their, their trust in mankind and made the flesh their strength. They thought, there's no way we can take the promised land. The people who defended are too strong. They had more faith in their enemies strength than in the power of God. Oh, people. People. How does this come back to people? Is that if you want to discover the greatest treasure, which is people. Like we do this for you. It's all it's all for you. You got to get out of the flesh and you got to get into your identity as a son or a daughter. Draw your oil from the Lord in uh, prayer. Rest with him. Even when you do not understand it, trust him. And then receiving your oil from him, you can meet with other people and actually enjoy them. Actually, because you, you desire their good. You can love them with open hands in an unattached way. Without You love them to bless and not to possess. You, you'll actually be enamored with people and you'll discover the greatest joy. The greatest treasure is the body of Christ. And I mean, God is the great treasure, yes, but he is relational and you only learn relationship through people. That's how his way of teaching us relationship. The eschaton is what? Us being a, this united bride washed in the lamb of blood, the, the blood of the lamb, 
marrying God. Come on. Woo. So, yeah. Learn. You know, both they feed each other. Getting your oil from the Lord, loving people with an open hand, loving them to bless and not to possess. And then relationally with other people, you learn how to die to yourself, right? You learn that your value is in your sonship and not in anything else because you are chastised through your relationships. And that puts you in, in right relationship with God. He's affirming your sonship. He's legitimizing your sonship. Hebrews 12. You counted his pain now, but it will bear fruit in peace and righteousness. Oh, what is righteousness? Right relationship with God. Oh, and then you have, you can love. It's it, it, like the two just feed each other. So it's like this is whatever you think you need breakthrough in. This is what you need breakthrough in. Because you are made for this. You're made for relationship. Okay. You've been bouncing around in my head for an hour and a half here. I want to bless you. Uh, Lord, I ask you to bless everyone here. Just fill them with your joy. Fill them with your peace. Give them breakthrough. Give them breakthrough. Relate this to their lives so they can see exactly. Give them real divine um, strategy for how to cooperate with you and how to have breakthrough in their relationships. Where to die to themselves. Where to shift where they're drawing their oil from. Pray. Make prayer the center of your day. Make it your... There is no life without prayer. Your soul is dying without prayer. And then, um, Lord, I ask that you just bear great fruit in them with, with just breakthrough in relationships. That we can really discover the treasure that each one of us is for each other. Wow. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless you all. Go to shadowonthewater.com. Join the OMC. Come with us to Medjugorje. Come, come with us on pilgrimage. Um, uh, yeah, just be a part of what we're doing. We're traveling around too. Just you know, invite us. We'll come. We'll come. We're not booked that far out. Um, and just come and share the joy of the Lord, and we'll pray over you, and your prayer group, or your your church, you know, your church community, or whatever. Anyway, Jesus be with you. Love you. Peace. Mm -hmm.